You are listening to the Black Sitcom History Podcast with Shannon and Summer, where we explore issues from episodes of the most popular and polarizing black television sitcoms from the 1970s and beyond. Hey everyone, welcome back and happy Friday. You are listening to Black Sitcom History. I'm Summer. I'm Shannon. How is everyone? How was your week? Are you excited it's Friday? Or are you more excited it's time for Black Sitcom History? That's what I'm excited about. Me too. <laughs> I was looking forward to this ep- doing this episode. It was a good one for this week. Mm-hmm. I really en- enjoyed the um the the meaning of the episode yeah and the issue that it touched on. Um I think when this episode was was over, you beat me to the punch. You were like as as soon as we stopped you're like, "Oh, that was a good one." I was like, I was thinking like, "Oh, that's a good one." <laughs> yeah, because it's some of the shows are, you know, straight to it. This is what the show's about. And it's only one main topic. And then we have other shows where there's many topics mm-hmm. that that are entangled in that 26 minutes or, yeah. or whatever it may be. And this is one of those episodes. This was more an experience. Expi- not expiring. Yeah, expiring episode for me. Inspiring? Inspiring. See? Inspiring. Yeah. Thank you. It was inspiring, yeah. And it was like, it made me think about, like, myself. And it made me think about, yeah. It's just like, I, I feel like it kind of was one of those straightforward type of episodes. But it was straightforward. But it still had a lot to think about. You know, it made me think about a lot of things. And it was inspiring um, in some ways, too. Yeah. Sure. But it was. Yeah. And it also somewhat touched a little about with the previous episode was about how George was. um, Mm -hmm. Didn't want to go back. Yeah. Didn't want to go back to the to the ghetto. Yeah. So yeah, this this yeah. episode it was a good one to follow that. Yeah, That's true. Yeah, this one touched on this. And in this episode we had I wouldn't say cameos, but we had some actors familiar faces. Right, yeah. That were in this episode that people would know from other sitcoms. Mm-hmm. So with that said, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. So this is season two, episode nine. George won't talk. It aired November. 8th, 1975. How did it start off, Summer? So, going back to the moving on down piece, um, George gets off the phone with his accountant, or he had some kind of com- conversation with his accountant, and he tells Louise that it was the best, best month ever um, for their business. So, maybe that dry cleaners that opened up around the corner really wasn't so hot, wasn't so hot. <laughs> after all. I mean, they had low prices for a reason. But yeah, they probably weren't doing that as good a job as uh, Jefferson's cleaners mm-hmm. uh, could do. Um, so 
George and Louise are having a conversation and Louise said, asked him if Mr. Thompson ever got a hold of him. And uh, he's like, no, like, who's Mr. Thompson? And Mr. Thompson turns out to be someone who wants um, George to um, speak. Louise first tells him he wants to talk to you about uh, a class on business. And George, at first, is kind of like, I don't need to take a class on business. Like, I'm doing great. I had Mm -hmm. the best month ever. I just told you. So then Louise says, no, he wants you to be a speaker. So at this point, George thinks, oh, I get to speak at a college. Maybe I'll be able to wear a a robe. Um, And he gets into, this is where he gets into his little story about, I'm going to tell them a story about how I was born. In, in the a field. Co- in the <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, Mama Louise, I mean, Mama Jefferson let him know. Like, you were born in a hospital. He's like, that's okay. In I, a county I'll tell hospital. my story. Yeah. He's like, I, he's like, no, I'll go ahead and tell my story. Like, he's like, that's your story is not the story. <laughs> but anyway, so he gets the big head and he is thinking very highly of himself. He's like, Oh, yes, he's looking forward to going to some college, he doesn't know which one, to speak to some kids about his success in business. So after a while, there's a knock on the door, and lo and behold, Mr. it's Mr. Thompson, Charles Thompson, who got a hold of George. Um, and Mr. Thompson turns out to be played by actor Robert Guillaume of Benson fame. I was like, is that Benson right there? Fame. Benson fame. Benson of Benson fame. That's his last name, fame? No, no. What? That means that's what he's famous for. Oh, so, oh, instead of saying famous. No, it's it's a Benson fame. Oh, so you would say like what? He, another Jackson way of saying that I, I don't. I never so, heard that. Uh, 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 Mike. Here's Michael Jackson of Jackson Five fame. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't no, know. I've never heard that. That's why I was asking. Oh, okay. I'm, and uh, an, another way of saying it is he's famous for. Yeah, Benson. that's what I'm used to hearing. <laughs> and I, th- I thought you were saying he played in Fame, and I was, I was like, like I he don't wasn't in Fame. fame. <laughs> <laughs> he was not dancing around in oh, fame. He was the he was a, a drama but, drama teacher. <laughs> no, he was not. They had one dance. They had one class in that whole school, and it was dance. It was dance. They had to do something more than dance. Well, that's all they showcased. Huh? That's all they showcased. And they had a pro. Everybody had a problem every week on fame. It was enough students. That was a sad show, really. It kind of like, was. I like this show. It was, was supposed sad. to be. It was supposed to be inspiring. I don't know. I don't know what it was supposed to be, but I felt like it was inspiring, um, especially because I'm that that kind of like artsy person. Yeah. And as a kid, I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Mm-hmm. Look at them. They go. They're going to the school of performing arts. Okay. And, anyway, yeah. And that they looked old. They just. Oh, they were. I'm sure they were old. It wasn't. They didn't <laughs> look like Twenty One Jump Street. People looked kind of like they could have been in high school. Like they flunked. <laughs> a few grades, but fifth the, year seniors. Yeah, the people at Fame like looked grown. Yeah, and and what was the 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 instructor of the class name? Debbie Allen, wasn't it? Debbie Allen. We was gonna work in here. Their little cane. Mm-hmm. Hey girl, 
<laughs> you better solve some problems and learn some math. Or something. Uh, she was solving problems. Yeah, she with, was. With, uh, you know, um, dance move problems, right. uh, form problems, yeah. and all that good stuff. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so Robert Guillaume did not play on Fame, okay. but he is of Benson mm-hmm. Fame, okay. the sitcom Fame. I learn uh, something new every episode. <laughs> Go ahead. You taught me something. You know, I just wanted to say a few, few, fewer words. That's all. Okay. Go ahead. So anyways, and after that, I said a whole lot more words. Anyway. We did. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay because it's Friday. Yeah. So anyway, um, Robert Guillaume, he plays Mr. Thompson. But one cool thing about, about uh, Robert Guillaume, he has a cool voice. Like I like his speaking voice. Man, it's, it's so. Like, I don't know, like, he can just talk his way out of any incident. I feel like kind he of. could. Like, like, I feel like, like he could. You pulled me over, officer, for what? I think you should just let me go. <laughs> and officer like, okay. Yeah, he has a good, distinct voice, and yeah. um, he, has, he has a good, good voice. Like, he... he a, he doesn't have like a very deep voice per se, but it's still kind of a commanding voice, like, even without it being like right. deep. I it's just very um, articulate and just like he has a he has a good sounding voice too. He kind of reminds me of like me? a Denzel Washington type me? of <laughs> not me. It's like like a Denzel Washington type of. Of a voice, if Denzel was just like strictly, um, not acting but just doing some voiceover or something, I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like Mr. Ben, Mr. Bentley, <laughs> um, Benson. He Benson. Sh- he should have played a, a lawyer type role, mm-hmm. but not a like very aggressive. But with his tone, he can get away he with. Still gets yeah, his way. He gets his point across without using a high. Tone, a deep tone. Sorry, deep mm. tone. Anyway, we, we sidetracking. I know, a lot, but it's I good. Know, but it's fine. It's fine. I'm I'm gonna give it to us because it's Friday. Yeah. it's okay. But um, I was just thinking because what ends up being Mr. Thompson's business with George kind of goes into how his voice too. Um, yeah. So he he shows up. And come to find out, though, he's not asking George to speak at a college. He's asking him to be a guest speaker at a housing project basement for some community group. And at that point, George is like, Harlem, you want me to go back to Harlem? It's like, no. So one minute he's excited to speak for some college students and then all of a sudden he's like I'm not going back to Harlem and you want me to go at night too in the evening he's like I can't go during the day and Louise is like people probably work during the day so he's like oh no I, I'm not gonna do it um, we have something to do he has something to do we have dinner with them. well yeah yeah he has dinner they got he has plans yeah. so he's like when do you want me to come he tells me like oh I'm busy uh, 
he doesn't just want him to come one one evening. He wants him to come for like a few weeks, several weeks uh, to speak to this community group. And so he's like, no, I'm busy that week. We're going out with uh, so-and-so. And Louise is like, no, we're not. Hmm. We're not. We don't, we never, we're not going with the Will- Willis's. We never go out to dinner with the Willis's. Um, and he's like, well, what about the following week? Like, I'm busy then, too. So he keeps saying he's busy. And, you know, Mr. Thompson at that point is like, look, just level with me. Like, what's what's going on? He's like, uh, it's dangerous. He's like, uh, Mr. Thompson goes, there's a lot of good people in Harlem who aren't out to cause any trouble. And George goes, well, I know, but those aren't the ones that are going to be out in the streets at night. <laughs> so I'm not worried about them. But, sorry, but, but not only that, George has a cleaners in Harlem. In Harlem. So it would be beneficial for him to show his face. He, you would think. You would think. Yeah. And that's a point that the, Mr. Thompson makes, too. Right, it's like, you know, you it would be a good idea to put something back into the com- a community that gives to you, mm-hmm. um, that you're taking something from, um, which, of course, is a reminder of all the neighborhoods that exist where people bring businesses to the, those neighborhoods, but they don't live in those neighborhoods. They wouldn't dare live in those neighborhoods, but they, they'll do business there and don't necessarily put anything into the community. But George's point is that he he does give back by giving money, making yeah. donations. Louise said, mm-hmm. and she the look on her face was very proud as oh, well yeah. to say. She was like, "Well, he does. He gives to you know different organizations or whatever." Mm-hmm. And that's when George's like, "What? Well, why not? Why don't I just give you some money? Yeah. And I I won't have to come down to Harlem to speak to these people in a basement or whatever." Right. George trying to solve something with money again, but yeah, so um, that's what George tries to do. Go ahead and pay Mr. Thompson Thompson off. Right. But then at that point, Mr. Thompson says, okay, well, look, I, he starts to kind of butter him up. He's like, okay, well, I was going to give you a really great introduction and talk about how great of a businessman you are, your rise to success. Um, and George is like, mm, mm-hmm, I like that. Sounds good. And then he's like, yeah, you know, and I was going to really recommend, uh, I was going to tell them that you were one of the best, best cleaners out there. And he's like, oh, I am the best. And he's like, okay, well, all right, that sounds good. And I was going to, you know, suggest they, they give you their cleaning business. And at that point, he really kind of perks up like, oh, because he's okay. see, he see, see some dollar signs <laughs> like, oh, I can I can benefit from this. So eventually. George is. He's convinced, he's convinced, he's convinced. He said, I'll give it a shot and I'll 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 try it once. Um, and that goes into the next portion of the episode where George comes back. And he's entirely upset because during his speech, his van was ripped off. Um, it was stripped down. The, the stuff was taken out of the, the van. 
equipment, clothes, um, radio was taken off, the doors were taken off, wheels were taken off, uh, everything was stripped off of this van while he was giving a speech. And so now he has to make an insurance claim because, um, you know, against his better judgment, he went to the ghetto, back to the ghetto where he didn't want to go to deliver this speech. The next thing we have is Mr. Thompson showing up. And he shows up with a young guy carrying some, some clothing. Uh, his name is Train. And this is another familiar face. Train is played by uh, Ernest Thompson, who plays Raj on What's Happening. So uh, come to find out, Raj is a part of the gang, or actually the leader of the gang, that stole from George's van. Uh, so they, they return to bring him those clo- that clothing and also to apologize. But of course, uh, George is not having it. He wants to call the police. Um, no, he wants to. He wants to whoop the trains, but that's what he wanted to do. Well, he, he wanted yeah. to fight him, <laughs> teach him a lesson. He, yes, and, and then and he also said, call the police, and then call the police. <laughs> yeah. And that's when tra- Train says, uh, "I thought you said no police, Mister Thompson." Mm-hmm. So, uh, Mister Thompson tries to work it out with George and tell him, "Like, look, you know, we're here to apologize." Let you know that it won't happen again. Here's your items back. You have, you know, everything that was stolen, you have back now. But we, we can't have you call, calling the police. And while they're having their conversation, Lionel walks in. Mm-hmm. And he says hello to everyone. And he noticed Train. He was like, hey, Train, what's up? <laughs> and Louise is like, you know him? Mm-hmm. Lionel replies like, yeah, you know him as well. This is Ron. Ronnie Walker. Ronnie Walker from the old neighborhood. They couldn't even um, see that that was him because they haven't been to the neighborhood in so long. Mm-hmm. Or when I say they, Georgia and Louise, because Lionel and Train still see each other or whatever. And it was, I didn't understand how Train didn't know that the Jefferson's cleaners was his childhood friend's family's cleaners. You know, especially since him and Lionel still kind of hung out or, or whatever. I, I just didn't understand why he would rip off, you know, somebody he grew up with as doing well. Maybe, jealousy? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So Lionel was like, hey, you know, what's going on? And George is like, this is the person that stole items out of my van, you know, broke into the van or whatever. Oh, let me say this. And when they said, how do you, how do you know train? And train was like, yeah, this is diver or (laughs) dive or something like that. And he goes into a story of how Lionel was the best accomplice to help them steal from the neighborhood store. He would fake a uh, a pendant, appendicitis, or appendicitis something. attack. Yeah, and while he's on the ground or whatever, the owner would come and to his rescue, and the kids would steal out of the store or whatever. 
So he was like, yeah, you know, that was his 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 role in our our little scheme or whatever. So Louise is a little upset now with Lionel, like, oh, how could you do mm-hmm. that or whatever? And Lionel was like, well, you know, I, I don't things have changed now. I'm not that that way anymore. We were fortunate that I don't have to do those things. Mm-hmm. So George still wants to call the police on train. But Lionel tries to flip the script and tells George, like, don't call the no, don't call the insurance company. No, call the insurance company, mm-hmm. get the claim, and you can get the claim, and we can also get you a brand new van. And George's like, how are you going to get a, me a van? Lionel and Train starts to discuss it. Yes, we can go get, we can go steal you a van tonight. What color do you what want? What color do you want? What, what year brand? model? Yeah, yeah, or whatever. And we can have it delivered here tonight. So George is upset now, like, Lionel, what are you talking about? You, you, that's not true. You're not a thief. You can't be out here thieving like that. Let me see you in the kitchen. Well, the, uh, the other thing, too, was that not only did they come up with a plan to, to pick up um, a new van, but what made George call him into to the kitchen was that Lionel had basically said that um he runs with trains gang uh from time to time just to get into some some stuff um so he he basically makes up a story uh that he is currently into some illegal stuff with their gang um which kind of makes George have to think quite think twice about calling the police like if he calls the police on train he, he could get his son caught up in something too but um george is upset louise is you know upset because she's like oh you're hanging out with criminals so they go into the kitchen yeah they go into the kitchen and uh lionel start to describe all the things he's stolen diamond rings golden <laughs> watches and things of this nature. And Louise, she determines that Lionel is not telling the truth, basically. Mm-hmm. He's trying to prove to George, like, if we would have not made it like we have, those are things I will be doing, actually. So by calling the, po- the police on train, you're somewhat calling the police on, on me. Mm-hmm. It's just so happened we were able to make it out of the of the living situation that we were in and have a better way of life where I don't have to steal to make ends meet or whatever. And George realized that. He goes back in the living room and tells Mr. Thompson, okay, I'm not going to call the police. I will come and speak, but I train and his gang has to be at every speaking engagement that I give as long as I'm giving them. Mm-hmm. Number one. And then number two, I'm only coming in the daytime. <laughs> <laughs> and that pretty much is the way the, the episode ended. Um, Like I say all the time, episodes are short. You know, they, they, they put a lot in that episode as far as a lot that I want to talk about. 
about the issues that were in the episode itself. Yeah. So we can do that after we take a, a break. Yeah. We'll go ahead and take a break. Before we get into the break and bef- and um I'm being Shannon is over here smiling at me, but I'm being spontaneous, babe. I'm being okay. spontaneous. Yeah. We talked about that. So uh I'm gonna go ahead and, and before the break. I usually talk to you guys about our Instagram and Facebook after the break, but I'm gonna say before the break, check us out on Instagram. Check us out on Facebook. We're at Black Sitcom History on all those platforms. Check out our um, our Anchor.fm page. It's Anchor.fm forward slash Black Sitcom History. There's links there to our social media and a link to our our um, mailing list. But check out all, all the links there. All the ways to get in touch with us. Leave us a a, a voice message there as well. Um, I'm making this real quick, Shannon, and then. Um, Later on in the episode, we will have another Quivia question for you. And that is all. <laughs> okay. We will be right back. We'll be back. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Let's go ahead and get into this Quivia question now. And then, like we did last episode, um, get you the answer at the end of the episode. So Shannon, do you want me to read it off or do you want to read it? I I think I'm going to read it. I I forgot the the answer to this. Okay. Uh, Okay. Here we go. You all, what is the name of Tom and Helen Willis son? Okay. What is the name of Tom and Helen Willis's son? All right. We will give you that answer at the end of this episode. Um, At this point, we'll go ahead and get into what we got out of the episode. So, Shannon, um, unless you had anything else to tie up with this episode, uh, go ahead and and let us know what you got out of the episode. Oh, here we go. So, number one, I I have a laundry... (laughs) Long list. So number one is, I want to talk about giving back. Some, you know, we have these multi-millionaires for professional athletes, actors, actresses, musicians, or whatever. And I'm not saying that they don't give back to the communities that they come from but it seems like I don't see it I think that they can be doing a whole lot more I know it's their money of course but you have a lot of money and you can do a lot of things with that money to help not only the place you came from, but other places as well. And in this episode, George wasn't giving back monetarily necessarily, but he was giving back to the community as far as teaching people or showing people how he did it and they can do it as well so they can 
make a better life for themselves or are living for themselves to move up in the, from their current situations. Now, we we have certain professional athletes that they 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 make it known that yeah I gave to this foundation or whatever but money only goes so far like we need to sometime actually see your presence now i know some people can act like a crazy fan and it might disturb the the discourage the professional person from showing up to events because of that sometimes we as fans need to just acknowledge that this person is there to encourage other people to do what's best for themselves and not treat them as a a icon at that time you know it's it's a it's a pleasure and privilege to have that person be there in the first place you should be happy that they took the time out of their lives to come and encourage you to do do something better for yourself but I think it helps for people to give back, uplift. Like, you know, I made it, so I want to help you make it now. Right? And that's also about not forgetting where you come from as well. You know, of course, I have to do what I need to do to get there first. So once I get there and get established and, you know, get the little small kinks worked out, then I need to come back to where I came from and bring those people along with me. Now, that's a two-sided street as well. We talked about this in a previous episode, how, like, if I make it big and I go back to my old neighborhood and try and bring some of these people with me, they're going to have to leave that certain mentality back where we were or where we come from and some people can't do that at all and then sometime when people want to give back the people that we give giving back to want to take advantage of it or take advantage of us or, or disrespect us or like, oh, you too good now. You can't come back and see us or whatever. Or you can't do this. You can't do that. Or even worse, oh, you, you made it. Can you loan me something? Like, why I got to loan you something? Why is it that every time, I don't want to say every time, majority of the time somebody make it, everyone is asking, can you give me or when you going to give me? They never actually say, can you show me how to get where you are? 
It's a gimme, 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 gimme. Or what can I do to earn something from you or whatever? You know, I'd rather help the one that's going to say, Shannon, can you show me how you did that? Instead of saying, Shannon, can you give me this or loan me that? I'll be more hesitant to to loan or give. I'll be faster to help someone and say, show me how to do this. Right? Because once I show them how to do it and they doing it, I don't have to loan or give them money anymore. (laughs) You know? So it's just about giving back. And it, when you when you do 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 that, people will think differently about you as well. It's not about a respect thing, but it's more so this person genuinely cares about what's going on in my neck of the woods per se, my neighborhood or whatever. And I found when I do give to, I, I'm not in a position to give to whole neighborhoods and build schools and put stores up and things. But when I do give to people, it makes me, I feel good. And I wasn't always that way. Summer had to teach me how to, you know, I, you know, I have, my needs are taken care of. There's other people needs that aren't taken care of that might need something. So and it's I felt better after time because before I would never give to anybody asking for anything in front of a liquor store, on a corner store, on a sidewalk or whatever. I was like, no, you have the same ability to do what I'm doing to earn a living. You should be doing the same thing. But I can't always think that that way, you know, people. Like we talked about in a previous episode, people can be up one day and the next day they can be down and out, you know. So just and give what you can. Whatever you give, um, people will appreciate it. And don't forget, it, it's, it's giving from your heart, too. So whatever they decide to do with that money, they're going to do it. But you gave from your heart, so you should feel good that you gave. Okay. Number two. <laughs> I know that was long. So, number two is it's it's almost like you know they have that saying like you was born on the wrong side of the tracks, meaning. The grass is greener on the side you was born on. So, what the Jefferson situation, they weren't born on the right side of the track, but they got on a train to end up on the other side of the track. So, they're doing much better now. But it's like George failed to realize that or look at other people's situations that he was once in and he kind of forgot all about that. Like if it wasn't for the fact that he 
start the cleaners, he would be in some of the same situations that people he know and knew are in now. Yeah. And it took his son to show him that again. Like, look, dad, we were once in this situation and we are doing better. So instead of punishing this person, let's try and show him a better way. Real, real quick, though, it's it's um, Lionel kind of gives you a glimpse into the fact that, you know, he ran with with train. I mean, when they were younger, um, younger kids or whatever, but he was into the same stuff that that train was into. Um, George never does really even acknowledge what he what his life was like um i mean we did know at one point that he stole some perfume from a store for his mom so he was into that as a young boy but you know um as an adult living in harlem um you know who knows what his life was like maybe it was maybe it wasn't um a whole lot going on there but he tell always tells this very vague story of his 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 climbing the ladder as I struggled and I strived, I scraped it, my clawed my way to the top. I'm like, but what does that mean? <laughs> he never he never gives you the like a real clear picture of where he comes from. Like he doesn't even have any connection to Harlem. He just he was born in the cotton field and he clawed his way to the top. Like what happened between the the field <laughs> and clawing your way to the top? So he never makes a connection to the people of Harlem, even though th- those are his people, and we know he had a, he had a record as a you know a juvenile record. But anyway, just want to touch on that real quick, Dennis. Yeah, and Lionel actually gave George a glimpse of where Lionel would have been if they didn't make it like the way they made it. Um, he could have been in jail maybe or even dead for that matter. So, you know, it was another thing. And number three, don't, before you accept something, be sure to get all the information that you can before you say yes. Like George was excited about being asked to speak at an engagement, but he didn't know where it was. He he's thinking this at some prestige school or college. Mm. It turns out it's in a basement. And now he has to lie about it because he doesn't want to do it because he thinks that it's beneath him, basically. Or he feels he's come too far to go speak to some lower class people in a community that he once lived in and also has a business there. Yeah. Speaking of that, if you 
this goes back to giving back as well. Like Summer mentioned, if you own a business in an area, I don't care where, what area it is, you own a business, you should give back to the community that, that's supporting you, that's paying for your house, for your cars, for your kids to go to college. And it could be something simple, like if you live in this square block area on Wednesdays, you get 10% off. I, I don't know something, but those people that's coming into your business day to day that live down the street, up the block, and around the corner, making sure your lights are on and they're struggling to keep their lights on, maybe mm-hmm. you should give back some type of way. Or, I mean, have some sort of presence in that area. Like, they should know who you are. You should you should know who the people are <laughs> who are in the neighborhoods. You don't have to live live there. I mean, because if you have, you, you have a, you know, you have your option to live anywhere, right? But you should make your presence known, I think. I hate to use the word should. You should do a thing. But I think it's important to have some connection to where you have your businesses. Yes, this is. Um, I agree and I, I disagree. If you you don't have to know who the owner of the business is for them to give back. Well, he was he, giving back without them knowing. He gave money. Right. But he didn't get well, but he gave money, but it didn't say it was to that community. It just she just said that he gives money to organizations. Oh, I that, I that assumed it meant he, he gave money to that community, because oh. that was what it, they were talking about. Oh, okay. I, I, I heard it differently. Mm-hmm. Or I thought differently, because organization can be YMCA, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, whatever. Mm-hmm. Veterans of America, whatever. But I, I still think, you know, like I said, your, your business can be in the lower class, middle class, upper class. But you have those people that live in that community that's supporting your lifestyle. And I'm sure you can afford to give something back. Like I said, you know, on Wednesdays, everybody in this area get 10% off or whatever it may be. But you should definitely give back to who's making you rich. Or keeping you rich, or keeping you um, successful, or whatever. Um, and I think that's what people forget: like who made them who they are. <laughs> you know, like if, well, he made himself who he is. He he climbed us and and oh, <laughs> clawed but, his way to the top. But who's all keep, by himself? Who's keeping them there? <laughs> who's keeping them in, yeah. there? Who's who's enabling him to open up another dry cleaner? Who's the banker. Give, who's giving well, him probably according to him, the yeah, banker, yeah. Who's giving him that 10, 20 percent profit? Profit. Mm-hmm. The community. Mm-hmm. And all they asked for him to they didn't even ask for money. All they asked for him to do was come and speak. Which he did, but yeah. they did him wrong. But I, I think that he had a valid concern now he had all kinds of other issues i know you mentioned that he was concerned about going back to where he came from thinking he it was beneath him in some kind of way but the 
going to the ghetto at night, that's a valid concern. This is true. I think that's a valid concern. So, you know, he probably should have, you know, agreed to that with a little bit better preparation and planning um, going on. Maybe maybe ahead of time getting that connection with, you know, the it's like, oh, who's, who's going to be in that group? Like, do you have, you know, people who are out in the streets who will be in a part of that group? Yeah. Like, we'll bring them on in there. Yeah. So... <laughs> We can all be be inside. I don't know, but I think that was a valid. That was really his only valid concern. There, there's a there was a way around it, but you know, it's a valid. It's a valid concern. And by him being from Harlem, he knows. He knows how it is. How it is. Yeah. Right, but once again, you still can't forget where you come from. Um, he he didn't forget that part. He didn't he didn't forget that part <laughs> at all, mm-hmm. and that's what made him hesitant to go ahead and speak for Mister Thompson, right? And number four, <laughs> we people need. I'm not gonna say people, young adults kids they need role models positive role models because you know the the gangster is a role model but is he positive not Mm -hmm. really so that's why i'm saying positive role models and even as an adult by us having Obama become president, right? It really had me think as a black man, like anything's possible. Not saying he was my role model, but he played a a factor in role model being, if I could say it that way, being playing a part as a role model in my life. Like it just wanted me to conduct myself differently. You know, handle myself, bob and weave a little differently, walk with a with a different swag or whatever. But young adults definitely need role models and I don't even know if they still have like I, the what was it, the Big Brothers Club? Is that what it was called, Summer? Um, the Big Brothers and Sisters or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if they still they have do. that going on. I remember growing up, they used to have commercials for that. Yeah, they, they're still around. Right. And I don't, I'm not saying I would definitely, well, they had, the one, I, the commercial I'm referring to was like, be a big brother for a weekend out the month. like. I don't necessarily want to do that, but if you had you're talking about um like the like the one on one time? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um Yeah. Like I, I, the I Big would... Brothers organization. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm not sure. I was talking about the you know what I was talking about? I was talking boys about the Boys and Girls, and Girls Club. Club. That's no, what I was I'm talking about. about. Something we had here in California yeah. called like the Big yeah, Brothers yeah, yeah. Club. So I wouldn't necessarily want to 
pick you up on the weekends and you come hang out with me and things like that. But I definitely would if they had some type of um, festival or, um, you know, a day where adult males come out and talk to the kids and, and let them know what options they have in life. I would do something like that. But I don't necessarily want to really. You don't really want to be that. Yeah, I don't want to come pick you up and be like, yeah, we're going to the baseball game today. I'm going to take you to my house and we're going to play. No. No. <laughs> I don't I don't need that. It's not about you. It's about the kids. It is about, like Trick Daddy say, Trick Daddy love the kids. <laughs> but <laughs> is that what that's he what, says? That's what he say. That's not what I'm saying. Oh, but I would definitely, like, volunteer for something like that. But as far as spending, like, one-on-one time with them, I don't know if I can do that. Okay. If, okay, if the organization had it planned, like, okay, Shannon, on Saturday when you pick him up, we have tickets for you and him to go here. Um, We have reservations for you and him to you know, go to this museum or or whatever. I think I would do that. I wouldn't want to be the one to have to plan things for us to do because the things I want to do, it might not really be mo, mo, role model appropriate for the kid or something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So if they had it set up where they had everything planned, I would definitely do it. Well, look, my thoughts on this show and what I got out of this show was enough for me and Summer. So I might give her a pass. No. She You're not going to give me no pass. Right. Me talking all that time. Okay. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so that was my um, thoughts and what I got out of the show. Those four bullet points. <laughs> Thank you, Shane. And I'm sure I might come up with something else before the end of the so you want to take a break? I'll, I'll give you a pass. You want to take a break? I don't think we need to take a break. Okay, we'll carry on. All right. Go ahead, and go ahead and just get into it. So my takeaways from this episode, I think one of the the big points that Lionel makes in this episode, he makes it in this fra- phrase after he is found out that he's making up the story about running with um train and stealing um he's not into any criminal activity but he says to George you know the biggest problem that he had the other day was what shirt to wear while train's biggest problem is how to stay alive and so not only does he take it back to um you know remembering where you you come from it's like hey uh uh not only could i have been in this situation um the same situation as train but i'm not and we have so much privilege that my only worry in life is what i'm going to wear where other people are really struggling. And that's a part of of what can go into 
some criminal activity. And it's very easy to to get caught up in into doing the wrong things. You know, I don't think that it's an excuse for criminal activity, but it's a real reason why some people get caught up in, in crime, get caught up in doing dirt, get caught up in doing things that they wouldn't get caught, caught up in if they had certain advantages in life, if they had access to everything they need in life. And so the biggest, turn, uh, the biggest takeaway for me was just the concept of having privilege and just forget about the Jefferson situation. You know, let's just say you're a person who has really been privileged all your life. You don't really know what struggle is or what it looks like. And it's very easy to, it's very easy to look down on other people and assume that their criminal behavior is because of something that's just inherent in their DNA. You know, you see a certain group of people who live in in certain areas and those people don't look like you. You make blanket assumptions about people who look like them that, you know, it must be something in their wiring. It must be something in their DNA that makes them that way, um, that makes them prone to criminal behavior. They must be criminals. And, but you don't have and never have had any reason to want for anything. You never had any reason to struggle for anything or feel like you don't, you don't know where your next meal is coming from. You don't know where your next dollar is coming from. You don't know how the rent's going to be paid. You don't know all these things. Base, basic things. Your basic level needs are going to be met. You know, you're worried about, um, am I going to buy, you know, this outfit or that outfit? Like, what am I going to, you know, you're going on you're going on a trip or you're going out somewhere and you're worried about um, what, what am I going to buy to wear to this party? <laughs> you know, oh, I don't want to show up wearing the same outfit. You know, you worry about things that really are things that people who are privileged can worry about. You're not worrying about your basic needs. And when people are worried about their basic needs, and not 100% of the time, um, you run into issues of, yeah, there, there can be some criminal activity. There can be some desperation going on with just trying to survive. So that's kind of a message, uh, a takeaway thinking about people who basically have never had anything but privilege. And when I say privilege, I'm not talking about rich people. Um, I'm not a rich person yet, but I'm still privileged. I'm still a privileged person. I don't worry about my basic needs. Uh, therefore, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not out here just trying to survive. Therefore, 
I would say I'm privileged. So the other part of that is, too, if you've come from a place, and this is the part that resonates with me personally, because I get caught up in the mindset, too, sometimes thinking like, oh, why do people have to be this way? Why do people have to um, just, just make us look bad? When I say us, I mean black people. Why do people have to make us look bad by doing X, Y, and Z? But then I have to remind myself that I have privileges in my life that make it so that I don't have to worry about the things that other people in in a, a less fortunate situation have to worry about. I have to remind myself that I get to worry about really insignificant and trivial things day to day. Like, is my Amazon package going to be delivered to the right um, address or not? You know what I'm saying? That's a struggle in itself, babe. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want to get into that because we just had an issue (laughs) with the delivery. But, you know, it's like, it's a struggle. (laughs) But whether we get that package to the right place or not, even if we don't find find the package, if it's misdelivered, everything is still going to be okay. Everything is still going to be all right. We're just going to be basically annoyed. You know, we're going to be inconvenienced and annoyed. But livelihoods are not going to be affected. We're not going to miss any meals. So, but, you know, I... I've never been dirt poor. I'm not going to give y'all the impression that I ever have been, but I have have lived in a less a lot less privileged um upbringing. Um and I have to I forget sometimes that, you know, it's not that when I was living in a less privileged uh, uh, had the the less privileged upbringing that I was out there doing dirt or whatever, but I still have some connection to 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 understanding and knowing what it's like to not not have everything that you want, and not one hundred percent of the times having everything that you need, and. That's a reality that people today, right now, are still dealing with and facing, even if, I, even if I'm not dealing with it and facing it. I might think that people need to crawl their way <laughs> to get to where I am or something, you know. I can have a thought like that at, at some point, but... I think this episode was a good, good reminder and kind of just like, oh, okay, you know, I can get a little bit on that. um, What's the word that I'm a critical, judgmental. Um, I am not condoning um, criminal behavior. I think there's other ways to do what you need to do to survive 
All I'm saying is that I understand that where there is lack, there is often desperation, and desperation could um, lead you to doing things that, you know, seem like a good quick fix to solve your problems. Um, And a lot of those quick quick fixes are uh, illegal. So... Those are, that's my takeaway. I'm so happy that uh, you didn't take the pass on that one. You said a lot. I understand every word and example that you, you're given. I, I didn't think of it that way. But sometimes the ones that are privileged, as you say, don't realize that what the unprivileged people have to do or even think they have, have to, to do, do yeah to just survive mm-hmm. you know so that's that's important it's always two sides to a token mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and that one side of token doesn't see the other side at all yeah yeah and that's a trip though that's a trip because i've even heard people say and not necessarily about this subject matter um of you know kind of what what crime goes on in the hood um versus outside the hood but i've just heard people say um verbalize that i can't believe this happened to so and so this didn't happen to me Mm -hmm. it's like they they if a thing doesn't happen to a person, they just can't conceive of it happening to happening to someone else. Yeah. And it's like, what rock do you live under where everybody experiences the same things in the same ways? Like, and I'm talking, I'm talking about full grown adult people. But this has something to do with society as well, mm-hmm. and companies how they gear certain items to certain communities right so in an inner city when you go to a liquor store here in California we have a beer called 211 right and I went to a a convenience store Mm -hmm. in the different part of the city or state that was a little bit well off and they didn't have <laughs> two eleven beers. Mm. Now you can get like two two eleven beers, uh twenty four ounce, you get two for like a dollar ninety nine or whatever, <laughs> you know, or whatnot. But I'm like, so it's not it's not just it's like I said, society that makes us that way as well. It's not just us. It's what you're exposed to. What right. companies want you to be exposed, exposed to. to. <laughs> yeah. Right. That you you know like you won't see certain wines that you see in one city that you see in another city. Even mm-hmm. restaurants, stores, things like that. You won't see 
I don't. You, they won't ex- expose certain things. They know what their their market. Yeah, and that's. Or they think they know their right. market. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you didn't take the pass on that one. Summer brought up some interesting points, as you always do. Thanks, husband. But yeah, but like like I said, you know, it's two sides to a a, a coin, and that coin doesn't see. Tails doesn't see heads <laughs> and vice versa. And uh, I, I don't know if this is a saying that's been said before, but when, you know, I'm talking to people and they be like, well, Shannon, grass is greener on the other side. And I'm like, yeah, cause there's a bunch of manure <laughs> on that grass. that's keeping <laughs> it green, you know, yeah. just because it's greener. Don't mean it's better. It's a bunch of BS over there. Maybe. That's why it's greener. Yeah. You know, we're over here on the other side where it's not so green. It just needs some tender love and care. It just needs some water. Mm-hmm. It just needs some, some nurturing. nurturing. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I mean, on, on the greener side, you probably got that, that manure that s- smells. And on the other side, we use some organic... <laughs> stuff to to make that brown grass just much greener you just need like you said some or some some tender love and care some nourishment and that's it mm-hmm. so this was a good one i think summer yeah i agree um, i hope audience got something out of it and thank you for hanging in there with us yeah. so we're going to give you the answer to the quivia it, it's it's worded weird to me i thought summer but oh just say it how you would want to say it. Okay. Like, what is Tom and Helen yeah. Willis's son? Yeah. Name? What is, What is Tom and Helen Willis's son name? Mm-hmm. What is it, Summer? <laughs> wait, what is it? This is trivia for us, baby. <laughs> hey, wait, what? we're giving the we don't even have the cheat sheet or the answers. Oh, but see, like we're remembering though. Yeah. You got to remember. Yeah, I, make, I think the folks can remember. That Let's makes say. it a little bit fun too. <laughs> instead of looking it up, we first learned uh, that uh, if you, if you haven't caught all of our episodes, you might not even know that Tom and Helen Helen Willis even have a son. Yeah. Um. But uh, Tom and Helen Willis's son was introduced in season one, episode thirteen, um, which is the thirteenth episode of our podcast. Um. And his name is Alan. And we haven't seen him since. Nope. <laughs> and Maybe he went back to uh, Paris. Paris. I, I, ta- I was talking to one of my listeners, our, our listeners, who's he's older than we are. And he says that he believes Alan makes another appearance. Yeah, he does. Throughout. Oh, yeah. so you already know. I, I've even, yeah, I, I've been looking on the internet. He, he does. Oh, okay. I so, don't know when, but he does. Yes. So for those of you that are new, you need to go back and listen to previous episodes so you can get caught up with what's going on. See, the thing about the Jefferson so far, it's not a time, a logical Sitcom. It's not serial, like yeah. yeah, it's not serial. It's it's a sitcom, and so it's like it just jumps around, right, from one thing to another. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
only only thing that ages is the way they look pretty much in <laughs> the clothing, but it, it's not a, a series of events. It doesn't go in order or whatever. Speaking about how they look, like, Louise is getting foxier and foxier. Man, her wig be on tight now. Because <laughs> at first, they had her <laughs> We can talk about that. Her hair was all pinned up. Not, well, she just had her hair up in a little bun. I mean, I guess it's a struggle bun when you kind of got to keep it pinned up. It was fine to me. It's just, she just looked like she was out of place a little bit. I mean, now she's looking like the Louise Jefferson I remember seeing where she's like, oh, I got some money. I got my little fly outfits on and they they go to the auction. She's got her little fur on a little bit. Oh, So she's just looking a little foxy. Well, maybe that's part of it all. You know how we talked about before how she doesn't, She's not used to spending money. I think she got a little bit more used to it. Right. So George <laughs> gave her the permission, the okay to spend money. So she, she getting her hair whipped up and stuff or buying more expensive wigs or better looking wigs or whatever. So anyway, thank you all once again. Happy Friday. Be safe over the weekend and um, look forward to listening to us on, on Monday and tell a friend. Have a great weekend, guys. Peace. Bye. Music from this episode is by yours truly, Summer Sky. The single is called About Love and it's available on all digital music and streaming platforms. Check the episode description for more details.